Today's scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible, it's on page 919. Um, please write for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Acts 10, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Last week was the Augustus Master Tournament. It's one of the most prestigious golf tournaments where the elite golfers from the world played to see who is the best golfer in the world. Now, this takes place in Augustus National Golf Club which was established in 1934, a long time ago. But for the longest time, it was exclusive for male Caucasians. African Americans were not allowed to have membership in this special club until 1990. And, and didn't offer membership to women until... 2012. And the question I, I pose to you this morning is, is salvation just for an exclusive group? Apparently, the Jews claim for centuries that they were that exclusive group. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this? Luke, the author of Acts, will introduce us to a whole new era explaining that the salvation is for all. See, the Jewish people were very proud people. They felt that they were more superior to other people because they were chosen people from God. And they considered themselves to be distinct and honor class who were given the truth 
from God. In fact, they have a special term for those that were non-Jews. They were called Gentiles, which means foreigners. It is used to describe heathens, pagans. There is a wall of strict separation between the Jews and the Gentile. See, the Gentiles were not permitted to take part in worship in Jerusalem. Matter of fact, in the early part of the early church, the Jews believed that if the Gentiles were to be a follower of God, they need to be a Jew, become a Jew first. Again, the Jews elevated themselves above everyone else. And from our passage this morning in Acts chapter 10, we'll see that God will tear down the wall of separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, the old era states that the Jews were the exclusive group for salvation. But yet, we're entering into a new era where salvation is offered to all. Now, before moving forward into looking at Acts 10, I want uh, us to take a look at the big picture of the book of Acts. What is the theme of Acts, and how does Acts chapter 10, our, our text this morning, fits into this theme? See, the, the theme is based on Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Where it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, this is the great commission. Of, this is the great commission that God wants us to spread throughout the world. And we're going to see it being fulfilled here in the book of Acts. We've seen in Acts chapter 2 that the gospel spread rapidly among the Jews. And then in Acts chapter 8, we see the gospel was spread to the Samaritan, which is the province next to where Jerusalem was located. And now we come to the third leg of this process where the gospel is going to spread to the end of the earth or basically to the Gentiles or the non-Jews. And we see that recorded here in Acts chapter 10. See, salvation is not only given to the Jews, but it is given to all that believes in him. We have entered into a new era. I've broken down the sermon into the three points, and if you have the sermon outlines in your bulletin, you'll see that. First, we have the preparation for a new era. And secondly, gathering for a new era. And thirdly, the proclamation of a new era. So let us take a look at that first point. Preparation for a new era. We see in this passage 
that it is, um, there's two major characters, namely Cornelius and Peter. God prepared both Cornelius as well as Peter for this new era. Well, let us take a look at how God did this. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 10. We'll begin with verse 1. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God, where all of his households gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an, an, an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayer and your alms have ascended as memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. Cornelius was living in uh, Caesarea, which is the capital of Judea. Cornelius was a Roman centurion, which means that he oversaw a hundred or more soldiers. Although he was a Gentile or a non-Jew, and, and probably were involved in pagan myths and empty religious uh, ritual, he turned to Judaism, hoping to find true salvation. He was a devout man who feared God. He was a sincere seeker who obeyed God's law. Cornelius backed up what he believed by his action. He was a religious person that prayed to God regularly as well as gave alms generously. However, he was not saved. See, one can be religious and do all the right things as a devout Christian, but yet, that does not assure a person to enter into the kingdom of God. There might be some of us here. They might have been attending worship service in a regular manner, or even go to, go to Sunday school, or join into a small group, and maybe even give to the church as well serving in the church. But you know, all of these good works do not save a person. The Bible says, for, great, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Now, the difference between Cornelius and many religious people today is that he knew, Cornelius, knew that his religious activities were not sufficient to save him. And we see this in Acts chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. But many today are deceived that their good works will lead them to heaven. Cornelius 
was seeking salvation and finding a way to the true God. While Cornelius was praying, the Lord provided a vision telling him to send men to Joppa to invite Simon Peter to his house. And without any hesitation, Cornelius obeyed and sent servants to Joppa, which was about 30 miles from Caesarea. See, Joppa was a very significant location in the Old Testament. You might remember Jonah. Did Jonah retreated to Joppa to avoid preaching to Gentiles. And here we're going to see in just a moment in Acts chapter 10, Peter was prodded to leave Joppa to go preach to the Gentile. Although the pious Jews considered Gentiles to be tainted. Well, on the next day, while Cornelius servants were on their way to Joppa, Peter went up to the housetop to pray. Again, here we see the sovereign God communicating a special message to Peter through another vision. No, the timing was just impeccable. See, God was working in both fronts in the life of Cornelius as well as Peter. Let us see what this vision that Peter received. Let us take a look, beginning in verse 10 to 15. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trench and saw the heaven open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it, all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And, and the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common or do not call unclean. God had to prepare Peter's heart for the new era. Peter went up to the housetop to pray. He fell into a trance and saw all kinds of animals coming down from heaven into a great sheet. And, and some of these animals, according to the law, were considered unclean. See, as an Orthodox Jew... They were commanded not to eat unclean animals. When God asked Peter to kill and eat these unclean animals, Peter quickly responded and reacted to God by saying, hey, that he never eaten any unclean animal all of his life. God responded, and we saw this in verse 15. What? God has made clean, do not call common or unclean. See, God's grace has cleansed us from the penalty of sin. And salvation is offered to all people. But Peter was perplexed. 
not fully understanding the meaning of this illustration. And just at that time, we see the Cornelius servants arrive at where Peter was. God commanded Peter to go down and accompany them without hesitation because God had sent them. See, God is in total control here. See, the timing was again impeccable. As Peter went down to meet them, they explained to Peter that an angel commanded his master to send for Peter because he had a special message to say to them. Let's take a look at what, uh, what this uh, conversation had to say beginning in verse 22 and 23. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken by, by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be his guests. So the vision that Peter was perplexed about is beginning to make some sense. It's beginning to be clear. See, originally, Peter understood that Jews were clean and, and these Gentiles were unclean. But actually, both Jews and Gentiles are unclean before God. They all needed salvation. Peter was not to make any distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Peter understood and invited these Gentiles into his house as guests. See, probably by the time that these guests arrived, it was too late for them to start this long journey to Caesarea. Therefore, they stayed overnight at Peter's place. Peter allowing these Gentiles to lodge with them is a sign that the walls were coming down. Peter has some Jewish brothers accompany him as they left for, from Joppa with Cornelius' servants back to Caesarea. It was a two-day trip. Upon arrival at Cornelius' home, Peter was surprised to find Cornelius has invited his family and his friends to meet Peter. Here we see the gathering for a new era. Let us see who they are and what expectation that they have as we look at verses 24 to 28. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and have called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up. I am too. I, I too am a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourself know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit 
anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So here we see Cornelius was really confident that Peter will come with a God-sent message that he invited his family. Not only his family, but his, all his close friends came. Because there was great expectation of a wonderful good news that Peter has for them, Cornelius summoned as many of his uh, friends that he knew so that they could hear the way for salvation. You know, I, I love good deals. I, I trust many of you love good deals. And uh, during this pandemic, the what do you know or not? The cost of cruise dropped drastically. And and you know, I you know, being being able to to sail off in Galveston, you know, that was another big deal. Didn't need to fly anywhere. Um and and for and for four nights and five days. It only cost three hundred dollars. You get all that delicious meal, and you get entertainment, and all that, and, and and they have this very strict and safe protocol. And you know, I was so excited about it. Uh, not only did I went on last December, matter of fact, in another week, Ellie and I were gonna go again. What a deal! I I, I started telling other people about this deal. Didn't. No, no commission from them, but, but, you know, I was excited because it was such a good deal. But, you know, Cornelius was expecting even better, a better deal or better news. And we see a gathering of a new era. Upon seeing Peter, Cornelius humbled himself by falling down and worshiping Peter. Peter, quickly announced that he is just a man, as recorded in verses 25 and 26. I'm sure Peter was tempted to accept honor and use the situation to promote himself. However, he did exactly the opposite. He recognized who he is, as well as who God is. He is just a man who is available to be used by God, he insisted that Cornelius stand up right away. My question to you is, do we take credit that might be due to God? Do we recognize that we are only man? It is easy to yield to get applause from others that are around us. You see, for centuries, the Jews based on the Old Testament law considered Gentiles to be unclean. And some referred to the Gentiles and called them dogs. Definitely, the Jews looked down at the Gentiles. And when Peter announced that the Gentiles were not unclean, could you imagine? It gave great joy to not only Cornelius, but all the invitees that were there. That was great news. P 
Peter understand that there are great negative consequences according to the law for associating and visiting a Gentile. But God has made it clear through the vision that he received that salvation is for all. Let us look at verse 28 and 29. It says, And he said to them, You yourself know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent for me. Cornelius explained why he sent for Peter. We see this in verse 33. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by God. See, Cornelius recognized that Peter is a messenger from God and that he had a very special message from the Lord. And then we see now, as we enter into the final part of the message, the climax of this passage in the final paragraph. It explains the proclamation of the new era. What is this new era based on? Where can we find salvation? Peter started his presentation by first pointing to God. In verse 34, he said, God shows no partiality. That God is fear. That God is just. And we as human beings are all on the same boat because we are all sinners needing salvation. Those that gather at Cornelius' house are eager to know how to be saved. You see, Cornelius was a moral and good person, but yet he was still a sinner. You see, good work cannot save us. Some of us might think that we're better than others, but we're still guilty as sinners. None of us are perfect. I believe that all of us lose control. And react in negative emotions when somebody does something to wrong us. As well as uh, all of us have selfish thoughts. See, God has, well, God will hold all of us accountable. So, what is required to be saved? Well, first, I think we need to understand who God is, that he's a God that is fair and just, and that he shows no partiality. And secondly, to believe what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. Let's take a look a little bit more closely in verses 38 to 41. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, 
He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. You see, apart from Christ's work on the cross, there can be no hope. We see in Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We thank God that Jesus pursued us first. Our hearts are stirred to seek the path of salvation. And in Jeremiah 20, 29, 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, God pursue us first. And may we respond by pursuing God who will show us the way. Wherever there is a searching heart, God responds. In John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. As we sincerely seek the Lord, He will receive us and show us the way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is not exclusive to the Jews. It is available to all. And may we be like Cornelius, who recognized his Good works cannot save him and needs to find forgiveness for his sins. God has brought you today for a purpose, to hear the gospel, the good news of salvation to Christ. God might be tugging your heart at this very moment. See, the world teaches that those with the most toys at the end will win. The world also teaches if you have a lot of money, you will be happy. Or success is reaching the top of my class. And all these perspectives is really false claims. They are far from the truth. There is still something missing, although one claims to have arrived and have, have completed those things that were stated. That void can only be filled by God, and we are accountable to God with our sin. The Bible says, 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The penalty of sin is death or eternal separation from God. Either we have to pay that penalty or someone else pay that penalty on our behalf. Jesus recognized that we cannot save ourselves, that he offered himself to come as a man and live a perfect life in order that he might be that perfect sacrifice for mankind. He bore our sin on the cross as he died in our place to pay the penalty of our sin. Not only did he die, but three days later, he rose from the dead. There were many witnesses that saw the resurrected Christ. And at one time, there were some 500 people that saw the risen Christ. Let's take a look in this final verse in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. It says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receive forgiveness of sin through his name. Earlier this week, I joined a group of uh, uh, Houston Chinese Church members to do some service project over at Sherman Elementary School. We, we have done many things over there, building relationship, and we have an after-school Bible club for many years. Um, we had a task to distribute 500 Easter eggs to put it all over the field for each of each hour we have a, a, a separate class that comes in. The first group were the kindergarten, and then the next hour the first grade and so forth. And um, we, we, we were to distribute these eggs. The coordinator asked me to hide four golden eggs. They were extra big in comparison to all the other one. It was gold. Well, um, those golden eggs will have special price, and there were only four of them. So, I uh, was trying to find a good hiding place for these golden eggs, and, and, and I hit one of them behind one of the, one of the trees way in the, in the back in the corner. And, uh, and then the, the kindergartens were released. And they were like an army of ants invading. And gah, like, you know, they were all coming like, whoa, we're gonna move, move out of the way kind of thing. They were picking up all the eggs and so forth. And, and, and I was looking over at one of the golden eggs that I hid behind this one tree. And then I noticed a little boy went over there and found it. You know, he was pretty happy. He, he took it. He shook it a little bit, and in the here and seeing anything, he goes, threw it back on the floor. <laughs> Ran off to pursue other eggs. And there was a boy behind him, and well, he picked it up. He said, oh, wow, you know, he, 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 he was so happy. Salvation is available 
we're wrong. And when we find it, embrace it. Don't throw it away. I want to extend an invitation out to you today to place your trust in Jesus Christ. As we celebrate Easter today, we see that the stone had been rolled away. Jesus has risen from the grave. And it's at the cross that Christ has provided life for all of us. He provided victory for all of us. In spite of the chasm between God and man because of our sin, Jesus, our living hope, stepped down from heaven and, and bear our shame by dying on the cross so that we can receive forgiveness. Jesus has broken every chain, and salvation is in his name. Death has lost his grip on us. Salvation is made possible by Christ for all. Would you place your trust in Christ if you have never done so? If you made that decision to trust Christ and what he did on the cross on our behalf, now please tell your Christian friends with the decision you made. Or, or tell me. I'll be in the back uh, greeting you as you uh, at the end of service. Let me know. For that is the greatest gift that we can have. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for the salvation that you have given to all of us. That's made available. And all that we need to do is to believe that you are a God that is just and fair. And that you love us. You're gracious. You, you have pursued us first. You sent your only begotten son to pay the penalty of sin on our behalf. And as we place our faith in you, we will be saved. We thank you for the good news that's given to all. In Jesus' name, amen.